Namaste. If to have spiritual experiences and realizations, if to realize the self, the divine, and bring our souls out of this circle of ignorant nature and cast it into the supreme felicity, divine felicity, if that is the goal of nature or of creation, then we already have the spiritual man and nothing further needs to be done. But obviously a spiritual man evolving out of this dust and uh, darkness of matter carries a logic within it and that logic Shurabindu explains to us that the divine consciousness is hidden in creation, in the inconscient and it is this which is emerging and it threw up matter, it threw up out of itself, brought out life, brought out mind and then the higher spiritual consciousness. So it is not going to stop here because whatever is inside must come out fully. That is the logic of creation in fact. So and why the divine consciousness will be the last, that ultimate supreme truth because it is the one which has gone first. So it is going to be the last. In airlines when you check your baggage, if you are the first early bird passenger, then be sure your luggage will be the last to come out because, you know, it will go into that process system. (laughs) So the same logic applies in creation. What has gone last, first, what has gone first will come out last. So has that ultimate truth, that supreme truth consciousness, has it really emerged? No. What we have got is religion, occultism, philosophy and glimpses of the divine which are fantastic spiritual experiences and realization. But they are like for a moment we transit from the mental zone into the higher realms. It's like we go to Nanital and have a camp and it's very nice as long as we are there. But when we come back into the mind, life and body, they are unchanged. So mystics have known this. So in fact sometimes the nature may go into a disarray also. That's what we were reading earlier. That nature may be thrown off um, off center because normally uh, either the vital controls uh, the body and activities in human beings who are vital centered. So there is a kind of understanding, there is a flow of life and they move along with that. It's not about good, bad, right, wrong, but they flow with that. It's a life of desires led by that. Then there is the mental being which controls uh, the vital in us and the physical by certain ideas, dogmas, principles, rules of living religion, society and so on. But this higher consciousness is a very different thing. So when you have a spiritual experience and realization, many of these uh, modes of living, they get disconnected and disjointed. So that is the story of Shiva not being allowed in Prajapati, Daksh Prajapati's Yagna, because Daksh Prajapati is the, uh, he is the person, he is the Prajapati, he has to manage the kingdom. And this Praja is not just the physical Praja, but different realms. So he has uh, he has created this idea of Yajna where every god will have his bhag, everybody will have his bhag. There is a whole, you know, rule-bound life and in rule there are fences. You can't go beyond it. So Sati who is none else but Mother Aditi, she is told, don't go beyond this fence. Why? Because there is some crazy, completely freedom-loving person who is living there. He doesn't follow any rules or laws. But ultimately, she meets Shiva and Shiva comes and Daksh doesn't like it because he is utter freedom. He doesn't follow any rules, norms of society. So, the mystic experience was never really integrated with the world at large. 
That's why the ultimate, uh, many mistakes actually we drew from life and society. If you read some of their writings, very difficult to even understand. We are talking of genuine mistakes and not about, you know, writing a book based on certain thoughts and scholarly wisdom. But a genuine mystic experience can completely upset our normal way of life and hence it remained as a thing apart. So mystics would enter into it in a state of trance. So when they got back into life, it was uh, very difficult to integrate, least of all with the body. So that is a very incomplete kind of evolution. It's like going and seeing some lovely place and knowing that it exists, but that realm has nothing to do with our life here. That's why the mystics spoke about illusionism. They couldn't understand what is the bridge. Or they took it, ki, okay, we are lucky that we found this wonderful door. There is a door and we can escape through it into the ultimate um, uh, absolute or the ultimate nothingness, call it whatever. And they followed that path. But naturally, it's a misguided mysticism. It leaves the big hiatus of God's purpose in the world, which step by step we see Shurabindo is really revealing to us. So, God's purpose is eventually that to emerge fully and manifest himself on the basis of matter. This is what we have to remember. So, it is the under the conditions of matter. Why? Because matter is the f- instrument of manifesting. Manifestation has to be, there has to be some instrument through which I manifest. It's like manifestation is like, I may have beautiful song inside my heart. But to manifest that song, I need either my vocal cords or some outer instrument. I may have all the knowledge, but ultimately to manifest, I need some instrument. So the divine has chosen matter. Why did he choose matter? He was, you know, he had subtler substances on which he was playing. But the problem with those substances was that while they are wonderful, they would immediately respond the higher intensities and the deeper notes were very difficult for them to bear. So he made a substance which is so crude and obscure. And he said, now I'll work upon it step by step from zero point. And he has been working and slowly tuning it, modifying it, making a very, very complex instrument. You see, that is something which is not available anywhere in this cosmos. So this is uh, the difference between Ektara and Santur. So, there are gods with one particular function. Each god has its own place and they have very subtle substance and through them the divine works. Each of them plays something or the other. But this evolution becomes extremely rich and complex where all the gods reside. So, Shubhindu reminds us of the story in the Taitriya Upanishad where different forms are being created. And ultimately when the human form is created, the gods say, we will go there. So all the gods, that's why when we look at the human body and the subtle centers, they say Brahma, Vishnu, Mahesh, all the great goddesses, feminine energies, all of them are inside human beings. It's not a joke. So it's it's a very, very rich and complex instrument. And now it has reached that stage where it can take um, that leap towards the next stage of evolution. Out of the mentalized human being, there will emerge the superman and then the supramental humanity of the future. So... What is the difference? Basically, Superman is someone who already is endowed with a mind of light. He is no more moving from ignorance to light. He is endowed with that, which is a delegate power from the supermind. And he is governed by intuition in his everyday life. Whether it be his uh, individual life or a collective life, his social standards, ethical standards are no more governed by that outer frame, but by something which is deep within. And his sociology, his understanding of 
um, you know, all the different fields which we call as the different vidyas is governed by that intuitive sense. But his body is still made up of animal, like the body in evolution. Whereas the supramental being is someone who that still greater intuition is an edge of light from there, and this is the source. And that source eventually modifying the body so that the body itself gets divinized. So there is even a big leap from the superman to the supramental creation, which should have been the intense. So this is a giant leap from the human mind, rational mind where it is, to the supramental being. So there has to be steps and stages in the process. And Shobindra speaks of these three main steps or stages with many intermediate stages in between. So they are namely psychic transformation, spiritual transformation and finally the supramental transformation. Sometimes he has used the word psycho-spiritual together because they can go together. But the first transformation that is needed is the psychic because if that happens then there is a safe base. And this is the reason why Shubhinda will reveal to us. So what is the psychic? It is the immediate closest divinity available to us deep within the heart. So what is the problem in its emergence? Because through the process of evolution, there are many layers which have come up between the psychic and the physical matter as it is. So that's why sometimes animals in which the complexity of the mind has not come, they respond very beautifully to the psychic vibration. See, that is the strange <laughs> paradox. <laughs> Whereas the human mind has created so many complex sheets that it doesn't give a straight response to truth. So we have plus, we have so many attachments, preferences, opinions, viewpoints and all this stand between the desires. Animals lives by his needs but desire self has come in, the ego has come in. So between our surface consciousness where we normally dwell and the psychic there is a not just a veil but a thick, thick, thick veil and it's not easy to penetrate it. So the first movement towards uh, the psychic starts with the psychic awakening and this surface consciousness in which we dwell, this little ego boundment uh, consciousness which we call as I, must in some way come in contact with outwardly with some representation of that reality to suddenly give us a glimpse. How does it come in contact with that? Ordinarily in the first stages it comes in contact with something which represents to it good, truth, beauty. And therein we understand what was the real significance of these tremendous tales of courage. People don't realize, they, you know, in their so-called scholarly approach, they say, what is the point of Ramayana and Mahabharata? But I can tell you my own experience and I am sure of many others. The, the Ramayana of Tulsidas, Valmiki, Kamban, these people, I am not saying Peter Brook's Ram, uh, Ramayana, they don't understand at all. It awakens the psychic so beautifully. Just watch that episode of Kevat and Rama Samvad and you'll have tears in your eyes because you come in contact with something. Surface consciousness doesn't know the psychic. But when it sees that in a symbol, maybe in a magnificent pilgrimage where you have the vision of uh, God sitting atop a mountain, now these kinds of contact or if one is very fortunate to come in direct contact with the divine master or divine as master, this kind of contact suddenly makes the psychic wake up and then we have to grow, you know, help it grow, make it grow stronger by feeding it with psychic food. So we give a lot of food to the body and we care about lactose intolerance and gluten intolerance. We give food to the mind also. 
all the whatsapp and newspaper and television and everything we give food to the vital also come let's have fun this music that poetry this enjoyment what about food to the psychic there also we can have you know intolerance of a certain kind there are foods which the psychic doesn't tolerate and if we feed that kind of food it goes into the background is no 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 baba no so whereas when you feed it with the right kind of food and that's where the beauty of satsang books like you know reading mother and shubindo it's a direct contact one can actually experience that suddenly the veil opens suddenly something else emerges out of one's own being particularly books like the life divine and of course savitri so this idea in ancient times even patanjali yog sutras we have you know swadhyaya the gita also speaks about swadhyaya as a quality divine quality so the purpose was that through this reading it's not about the analytical mind debating and discussing you get those psychic touches when you watch hanuman and you know lakshmana you feel like okay i wish i could serve the divine like this for a moment you forget that who are you and what are you but here is an ideal which you want to follow so through even stories of courage so many legends in india so there is a way through which the surface being comes in contact with the reality through truth beauty and good either in action story of raja harishchand taking truth to its acme it's a fantastic tale so it's not about whether it's true or not that's a different story but look at to what extent human consciousness can strive and strain itself it's not that king shivi was actually cutting his flesh and putting it and finally still was alive that's the nonsensical way of looking at it but there is another way to look at it ki look the story indicate the peak to which a person can sacrifice himself for the sake of a promise pran jaye par vachan na jaye ragukul reet sada chali aayi so that kind of acme of sacrifice when we read those stories so this way it awakens and then when we feed the food it begins to grow strong then when it begins to grow strong it exerts an inward pull upon nature before that we may talk about psychic we may talk oh this is all this is concept but when it begins to grow strong like a baby when it wakes up it says mama i am hungry it draws the attention of everybody so the psychic begins to suddenly pull us inside and either because of this growing pressure from the psychic within or a forceful effort forceful efforts have carry their own inherent risk suddenly this veil starts getting torn so when it is torn we are we land into a mist of all kinds of experiences which can be very disorienting and even dangerous that's why the process is a step wise process so the trimarg of the gita seeking for knowledge for wisdom trying to understand things in a more comprehensive way in a luminous way aspiration for light and peace rejection of all that comes in the way of this divine seeking devotion devotion is one of the fastest ways to tear the veil why because through the emotions the psychic is most readily accessible why because they are very close to each other on the surface is the emotional being within deep within is the psychic being through the mind thinking mind also we can approach the psychic uh, by you know thinking about god by trying to reflecting upon the nature of divine but the problem is thinking mind takes us to a point where it enters into a state of impersonality and it's very difficult for it to go there if you read shurbindo's in savitri there is a canto called in the self of mind so you touch the mental purusha he becomes like immobile doesn't let you go past in savitri of course 
at that point Sri Aurobindo says it seemed when you go there that uh, extinction was the sole escape and this world is a prison so you want to go away from there but then because uh, Ashwapati is seeking for something else so he comes in contact with the world soul that's where we see the heart center and we see in heavens of the ideal both these approaches coming together so through the heart is much faster, much easier through devotion and faith. That's how Shibinda says the best way to open the psychic door is surrender, devotion, faith, calling the divine name. So this way the door opens. And the third is where the will, because these are the things which will otherwise obstruct us. If the door opens and we are very much in living in a world of desires and preferences and ambition and very absolutely crude passions, the moment we enter inside, we may become even instruments of demonic agencies. So ego, ambition, they have to be get rid of. And what is the best way of getting rid of ego and ambition? Even bhakti can sometimes lead to the ego of the bhakta. I am closer to God. Who are you? You are coming from outside. Don't you know how many years I have lived in the ashram? This can create, I work very close, I work every day at the samadhi. See, ego can catch any... Thing. I have never gone out of Pondicherry. Now, you know, it can, all this can come. This is a play of the ego and one is unable to see this. So, but the f- one way which becomes very, very handy is to, to get rid of this ambition and egoistic clinging, this desire is service. So, Shivinda speaks about turning the will towards service of God. So, the path of service, the Gita speaks about it, Karma Yoga. It's a very powerful way of opening the doors of the psychic. And because when one has gone through it, through Nishkam, Karma, practice of equanimity, dedicating work for God, not doing it for the desired self, it breaks the bone of the desired self. Because when you practice all the time Nishkam, Karma and equanimity, you want to do it for God. Where will ambition stay? And then when you enter into this passage, still there will be forces, agencies, because the subliminal, as we have seen, is a vast uh, you know, um, domain and it opens to the universal on every side. So one may experience the superconscious things, but also the subconscious things. And it can be quite dangerous, but if one has gone practicing these three things, while one is still in the surface consciousness, Thinking mind, turning it towards God, trying to understand, reading, meditating, contemplating, reflecting, the emotional being, turning it towards the divine through bhakti, genuine bhakti, surrender, self-giving. And then of course, uh, the will in us turn towards God for his service through nishkam karma and equanimity. Then when the door opens, the passage becomes very easy. And though still there will be challenges, until the supramental annihilates the, or rather transforms even the subconscious and the inconscient challenges will be there. But by and large, the past is safe. And once the link is formed between the psychic being and the outer consciousness, then one is in, uh, you know, I wouldn't say not troubled waters, but one is with the, with the nice boat in the troubled waters because <laughs> uh, there is a luminous lamp which guides us from within. And because psychic is the door through which we connect with the divine directly. So again it helps us. Thinking mind stops at impersonality unless one goes beyond it and discovers the Ishwara. But otherwise generally it stops there. One experiences a kind of sense of peace, vastness and very difficult to come back from there. Because the moment you come into the nature's field it's uh, quite painful. 
so the psychic emergence brings into us both bhakti makes us go toward the psychic but psychic brings its own touch to everything shubhendra describes what is psychic bhakti he says mental bhakti wants uh, proofs it's not never convinced always he'll say ha ah, yes out of some no but why that happen because it has crude and vulgar notions of the omnipotence and omniscience of god very section notion horse like blinkers vital bhakti i will um, you know devote my life to you, but what you are going to give me promise me at least that you will give me supramental real i will i become a superman <laughs> will i do this will my children will be looked after this that hundred things a priori reservations so vital bhakti again carries with it demands and desires so and of course physical bhakti we know is a very mechanical kind of is hardy bhakti but you know still but psychic bhakti gives itself without any reservation or conditions or demands it gives itself to god or to the guru and says that's it that's the end of the story what you do with me so whether you make me jump and dance like the monkey sabahi nachavat ram gosai or you make me sing your tune or you uh, use me as your sword as your lyre or you break me apart and throw me throw me but keep me in your chariot by your side that's all <laughs> it is fine with it it just surrenders itself and gives itself to god so that brings suddenly the marvelous change if that can happen in nature that our entire nature our mind our thoughts want to give themselves to the divine by turning them constantly toward the divine giving means this that instead of the thought this cursive intellect is engaged in 101 things what happened today how is the weather what happened in this what happened in that instead of that the thinking mind automatically starts orienting itself toward the light and the right same with the emotional being wherever it goes whoever may be in contact with you in manifold relations you still want there that truth light it's like that swan which picks up the you know milk and separates the water so it'll pick up that true thing inside in every relation keep that and discard the rest slowly starts getting out of that it will keep only that bonds of true love psychic bonds not bonds based on egoistic advantages what can i get out of somebody else those interests those things will go away and then again we'll see that the will begins to change it we we cannot it becomes impossible to do something just for satisfying one's desire and just to live a life of pleasure it becomes impossible because the psychic imposes the rule of the right and the light it orients everything toward that even the physical body can be touched infused by the psychic substance and it will begin to undergo this change the right impulse in food right impulse in everything of course none of these changes can be complete unless the other two changes take place so the second change is the spiritual transformation here there is a big lid kapal which is <laughs> so you know people have this kapal rekha padhna read the lines on the forehead are open that kapal ka you know door then all these rekhas lines will have no meaning so this can again break by the intensity of aspiration and when it breaks then suddenly one gets into a lot of experiences of ishwara shakti 
all this self, all this will come by this opening of the spiritual uh, that lid. And then one begins to see there are several levels which Shobindu will speak about subsequently. And one enters into a vast range of experiences of a supernormal nature. And again there, even certain ideas will flow in uh, capacities, revelatory truths, inspirations. All this can enter a deeper love, an ecstasy of God love. All this can descend from above. Peace, silence, joy, uh, love, all these great wideness, all this can descend from above and occupy the fields of nature. So again, it, it uh, further, if the psychic prepares the soil, spiritual consciousness fills it with beautiful, uh, uh, the right kind of, not even manure, because it's not manure in that sense, but it irradiates it with light, sprinkles the rain of divine grace. So now, the physical matter begins to get ready for the next step. And that next step is the supramental transformation. Now that between spiritual transformation and the... So the difference is spiritual experiences is when you have these experiences. But it begins to change. Take hold of our thought. It begins to change our mind into a kind of revelatory mind. Intuitive mind. A mind that is governed by inspiration. Again it begins to change our emotions. In the psychic there is this right and just emotion towards everything. And when the spiritual consciousness descends, the higher consciousness, we'll read about the greats, when it touches the heart, then it gives to love itself a very unique, uplifted, sublime quality. So it is not just about whatever we have is in right measure, but it opens the doors of love to infinity and eternity. Even knowledge, it opens the doors to infinity and eternity. And of course to will. So, will itself gets connected to the infinite energy, to the infinite consciousness, to the infinite power which supports and sustains. But again, the body, to an extent it can help, but it cannot transform it. It cannot transform the subconscious and the inconscient. So, if the race was destined to stop at spiritual transformation, then it was relatively easy. Even the highest spiritual transformation but Shobindu was not satisfied with that because there will always be something which is missing. Body, the base will still be there. We will have all these wonderful things inside. But the body will eventually pull everything down. So he wanted the supramental transformation. Another important thing about spiritual evolution is up till now what has happened is there have been individuals who had these marvelous experiences and they created certain sects, certain cults, certain religions and through which they opened that door of that experience that they had. Now, whether people had it or not depended upon their sincerity. It's not that every adherent of a, uh, let's say, Christianity lives in Christhood. No, very few. So only a few are able to cross that door and have some glimpse. The rest will continue striving and struggling. But that's not what Shurabindu wants. He wants a collective emancipation of mankind. That's how unless matter changes, unless there is a fundamental transformation of our inner consciousness, that's the difference between transformation and saintliness, ethical man, sage, seer, and the actual first conversion of consciousness and then a transformation of consciousness into its very substance and eventually the very physical by the supramental consciousness, light, power entering into our nature because then only the lower and the higher unite together.
So, there Shubindu then describes the different levels between the mind, rational mind, and the supramental consciousness through which we ordinarily would move. Now, here there is a little bit of a um, rider. Rider in the sense that mother was asked that do will we have to go through all these stages? She said, why? It's not necessary. Why not necessary? She said, because supermind is already here. So she said that it's not necessary that one has to go through these stages. So we must understand that Shurabindo is writing this in 1914, 15, 16, 17, 18 and then revising it in 40s. So the supramental manifestation had not taken place. In the second decade of the previous century, the mother was not yet established as the center of the entire evolutionary struggle. So, Shubindu knew the tremendous difficulty and the challenges. So, he keeps certain questions hanging. He does mention about surrender. He does speak about rejection here, about aspiration. But he knows that it is not as easy. That's why he said that before the mother's coming, I could transform myself. But I could not help others. Because it was by tremendous tapasya. Human beings can't engage in that tapasya. But now that the supermind is there, even if they will be this kind of a process, it will be largely compressed. And there would be certain different samples of, because all of them, as we see the steps from the rational mind to the supermind, have all derived from the supermind. So, we see that up to higher mind, which is the first step of ascension beyond the rational mind, is the last reaching from the supramental where there is still knowledge, there is not yet that complete blanking of ignorance. Only this knowledge is becoming diminished and diminished. Rational mind onward, there is a complete entering into avidya, completely. Here there is avidya and avidya playing together, but there is in the higher mind an opening towards knowledge because it's still that, it's still connected by the supermind. So he gives the example, like in the higher mind, it is, we can use the word thought mind of God. If God had to express himself in thought, that is a higher mind. So here it is thought, but it is not the thought of the rational mind which labors, struggles. Okay, so and so has said this, so and so has said this. Maybe let's see some dictionary meaning, then have acquired some scholarly wisdom, then try to mix and match and combine. It's a very laborious process. But in the higher mind, it comes automatically, that truth comes, takes the form of thought. So it builds thought. And this thought is the conception of the divine, we can say about himself. If he has to conceive himself in terms of thought, so this is how we will conceive. That's why mother says that religions are born from the higher mind. Somebody who rose there and he conceived things and gave it. But what becomes of it, we all know. So obviously that's an intermediary stair, but that's the first thing that one reaches. One begins to see uh, the truth behind things as a symbolic representation of the reality. As a thought of God. Then beyond it, like if higher mind still acts on the basis of thought, in the illumined mind there is vision. There is a seeing of things. Now this seeing is not like, like you are actually seeing. One may see that, but there is an illumination which tells us about something which is hidden inside. So it begins to open doors which are otherwise inaccessible. So illumined mind is 
luminous it is not thought as much as it is light so when this light begins to enter into us and there shobindo described very interestingly what is light so it's a very interesting subject how is light formed so if you read it's like electromagnetic radiations uh, charges are vibrating at a high ra- uh, speed and then out of that it throws up photons and that builds light light is a mystery we don't know so even physical light is the ultimate manifestation of something which is non material by its nature life is non material but it becomes something which is tangible to us so one begins to when the mind changes into an illumined mind we see things in literally a new light we can use the word there is a new light a deeper insight which tells us about the truth of things and not about just the surface appearances and then comes the next level the third level the intuitive mind so between the rational mind and the supramental race the intuitive mind is the one uh, which will come possibly as an intermediary um, being so what is the intuitive mind it's like lightning flashes which cleave the brain which cleave the things around and show us the inner truth behind things so when a person comes to you so if intuitive mind may show within and outside even those hidden corners it will suddenly show in a flash look here it is and you will see those all the hidden recesses the caves of darkness that's what is there in the vedic legend where angiras and the kaul legend that uh, sarma the hound of heaven she is intuitive light she comes and shows and this intuitive light in fact all the layers have an effect not only on thought and knowledge it has an effect upon mind upon the heart upon the will so when intuition wakes up it may settle in the heart as an idea which will drive us a tremendous powerful idea it can start changing things it may be the idea for instance in the intuitive mind one can see this truth that health is the reality illness is a falsehood it's not like you have read something but it seizes the heart and begins to operate so all the values begin to change there is a reversal of looking at things or love is the substance of this creation now if you ask the rational person that what is he talking love is the substance of creation you can write a book on it that's different what is he talking is he sane so sometimes better to say yes i am insane it's a safety rather than you know <laughs> trying to explain <laughs> all about love but it's like that idea seizes the heart and then it pushes the entire nature and being into a very different kind of operation than ordinarily in that rational mind or even with the higher mind we will operate it can seize the will the will may be seized by the intuitive mind and it'll show us you have to just serve the divine that's the end of the story so it operates not only in in the knowledge domains but also in the heart in the will and even in the body this intuitive mind can directly operate and begin to set things right very intuitively it's a power it can open doors but in the body its operations are very much mixed and it's not like it will act instantly but often when all these higher powers enter into the domain of the human consciousness they do get mixed the rational mind begins to throw up its doubts how can it be 
you may see even a, something truth about a person but you know your emotional mind your emotional being your preferences will come in the way so all this will create a kind of mixture even in the physical level even the will may sometimes get diverted into all kinds of channels but eventually this is a process one has to go through so intuitive mind is like flashes of lightning and at its full intensity it's like the multiple rays which are descending and illumining a whole area that possibly is the next step when mankind will take its halting place already beginning to take its halting place but even that cannot annihilate the difficulties so we have beyond it the supramental evolution so this is the basic and then we'll just um, read a few passages there is a height still to be reached a wideness still to be covered by the eye of vision the wing of the will the self affirmation of the spirit in the material universe what the evolutionary power has done is to make a few individuals aware of their souls conscious of their selves aware of the eternal being that they are to put them into communion with the divinity or the reality which is concealed by her appearances and very often when it has become aware it has become aware of these um, three purushas first straight away one doesn't become aware of the soul the physical purusha it may mistake it for the soul or the vital purusha the soul of the hero as we say or the mental purusha which detaches itself and begins to you know look at things in a very different way so these are the three purushas at which it can halt where you have a certain kind of knowledge which which shobindu speaks of as the sainthood's brilliant shell before one touches the true psychic being at each of these one may halt a certain degree a certain change of nature prepares accompanies or follows upon this illumination but it is not the complete and radical change which establishes a secure and settled new principle so the problem with this change is not secure it will come change color some nature but again it can go vanish mixed up so the battle will continue till there is a supramental change the battle will continue though the victory is a foregone conclusion is bound to be there but the the battle is there the spiritual man is evolved but not the supramental being who shall thenceforward be the leader of that nature and then of course he beautifully describes the psychic like that flame which is turned toward truth and good and beauty and then directly toward the divine so one sign of the psychic emergence is shubhendra of course describes that in synthesis of yoga first it is truth good and beauty but then later on it seeks the company of god lovers wherever you have that you know love of god whether it be through a book through people so automatically your relations begin to change see people notice it you can no more sit and be comfortable in that old school gossip because the psychic is emerging and it knows the difference now and then eventually it completely gives itself to god because it's that part which knows the the divine completely but before that we have to go through these three beings three purushas and at any level we may mistake very often people driven by the vital vital purusha as i said the soul of a hero believe that they have found the psychic or physical purusha where you become 
you know, someone who is taking care of people, enduring, giving them hope, light, and uh, not light really, light is with the mental purusha, but hope and, uh, you know, assuaging their suffering. But it's not yet the true soul. A first condition of the soul's complete emergence is direct contact in the surface being with the spiritual reality. Best way is if one is fortunate enough. I know people who just saw a picture of the mother, sometimes her eyes, her feet and they were done for. Of course, it may come in different ways. I mean, to somebody else it may be contact with Krishna or Shiva or Christ. doesn't matter. So, but something which represents to it the divinity. So, in that, when one passes through the subliminal, Shubhindu speaks of a tranquilizing purification. Because, as far as reading about yoga is, is like, you know, read about ocean. Oh, it's nice. Chha, very nice. So, Pondicherry mein ocean hai. Ah, ocean hai bahut. Very nice ocean. Vast. Okay. You have seen it? Yes, I have seen it. How did it look? Oh, wonderful. Magnificent. How deep and far you have gone into it. Are sir, are you joking? The ocean can be disorienting. It's delightful and dangerous. That's why to enter into yoga, one has to face the difficulties and challenges of life. <laughs> if one cannot face it, one is not ready for this great adventure. You are entering into a vast territory of completely unseen, unknown forces. Forces which are full of deception. So purification, shuddhi then mukti. And we have already spoken of this purification, particularly of the desire and the ego self. So, one thing which helps the purification is separation of the Purusha from the Prakriti. So, this is the first step Shirobindo describes in uh, Synthesis of Yoga. In the Gita, it is the first step. By turning the discriminating intellect inward and upward. So, after some time, one can watch over one's nature. It's a great capacity. One can watch over one's thought. Buddha would say, watch over your thoughts. Watch over your feelings. Watch over your motives. Watch over your actions. So, watching over actions to an extent feelings is easy. But watching over hidden motives, we have a constant tendency of justifying. I am always right. I am always right. And then to watch over one's thought requires really a tremendous kind of end. But if this separation takes place, it's much easier. So, the lid thins, is slit, now he's talking about the upper lid, breaks asunder or opens and disappears. There is a letter to, um, who was the doctor with? Satyendra. On his birthday, Shubhinder wrote a small little letter. He said, a veil behind the heart and a lid above the mind conceals us from the divine. Love and devotion rend the veil. So, <laughs> if you have love and devotion, it will go away. In the mind silence, the lid thins and vanishes. So tranquilize the mind. Because this, this lid is formed of what? All the thoughts which are swarming around. Sometimes you have to just tell people this thought that what may happen, this may happen. Stay quiet. If you are quiet, you are likely, much more likely to allow the grace to act. Because if you are all the time with this discursive intellect, it will prevent the action of the idol. It's actually hardening the lid. So stay quiet. So in the mind silence, 
the lid thins and vanishes. And then yes, he, he speaks of these dangers worth reading. A light descends and touches or envelops or penetrates the lower being. The mind, the life or the body or a presence or a power or a stream of knowledge pours in waves or currents. So all these inspirations, revelatory flashes. In the intuition itself there is a fourfold action. There is the revelatory vision. You, the truth of a thing is revealed suddenly as in a flash. So there is revelation, truth sight. Then there is the inspiration, truth audition. So one receives like a mantra Something cascading from above and that sets the seal of truth, stamp of certitude and stamp of truth, seal and signature of truth upon what has been received. And then there is truth touch. What is truth touch? Seizing and grasping the significance of anything. Any event, any circumstance, be it a dream or a physical reality, suddenly the significance is grasped. So that is called truth touch. And then of course there is truth action. Where there is a right orderly arrangement of how things should be done. The sequence and the steps. So it corresponds to the Vedic Rishis four faculties. Ila, Mahi, Saraswati and Bharati or Dakshina. So these are the fourfold action of the intuition. The Vedic Rishis had climbed up to there. And therefore they could see that they are coming, these rays are coming from there and wanted to open that lid which took how many, some seven, eight, ten thousand years of preparation for humanity to go through at least a certain amount of purification so that there are at least a reasonable number of souls which are ready for that lid to open. So what all will happen? Um, a stream of knowledge, so this is the descent one is the ascent through these layers, a power or a stream of knowledge pours in waves or currents or there is a flood of bliss or a sudden ecstasy. The contact with the superconscient has been established for such experiences repeat themselves till they become normal, familiar and well understood. After that you don't have to experience it that way. It could be a thrill which passes from the head to toe or up till the neck or down below. So, a knowledge from above begins to descend frequently, constantly, then uninterruptedly and to manifest in the mind's quietude or silence, intuitions and inspirations, revelations born of a greater sight, a higher truth and wisdom, enter into the being a luminous, intuitive discrimination works which dispels all darkness and understanding or dazzling confusions, puts all in order. A new consciousness begins to form the mind of a high, wide, self-existent thinking knowledge. So all this happens as the lid opens. And of course he is, he speaks about the little dangers worth reading. But this may be, if somebody tries to forcibly do things, there are people who want experiences. Most dangerous thing. Give yourself to the divine. It's up to him to give when he knows we are ready. They try to force things. And then what happens now? Aspiring steadily, 
but impatiently but patiently is not forcing but to do constantly i want this experience i want this inner thing to to come out then what may happen so he says that um even before the tranquilizing purification of the outer nature has been effected or before it is sufficient one can still break down the walls screening our inner being from our outer awareness by strong force of call and aspiration a vehement will or violent effort and should be the cautions in the synthesis of yoga don't try it and he says you cannot take the kingdom of heaven by storm shri ramakrishna could take it but that is shri ramakrishna you can't generalize it for everybody or an effective discipline or process or violent effort but this there may even be an effective discipline and process like awakening the kundalini by force but this may be a premature movement and is not without its serious dangers in entering within one may find oneself amidst a chaos of unfamiliar and supernormal experiences in which one has not the key or a press of subliminal or cosmic forces subconscious mental vital subtle physical which may unduly sway or chaotically drive the being and circle it in a cave of darkness or keep it wandering in a wilderness of glamour which is the valley of intermediate glimmer allurement deception or push it into an obscure battlefield full of secret and treacherous and misleading or open and violent oppositions how does it take place you are an avatar you know you are god's chosen instrument should be the says that and one can easily get ha ah, yes of course i am a mahamanav and you end up becoming a mahadanav like ravana so one should be always that's why surrender humility vigilance sincerity are the safeguards so the greater one rises the more one develops humility because you realize that it's infinity <laughs> before we what is one formation of one life even the entire universe is nothing beings and voices and influences may appear to the inner sense and vision and hearing claiming to the to be the divine being or his messengers or powers and godheads of the light or guides of the path to realization while in truth they are of a very different character that's why do not let any appearance or power come between you and the divine mother just open to her many things will come but hold on to her better still be held by her otherwise all kinds of phenomena can occur inner mother is guiding me this also i have heard inner mother guiding me you know mother doesn't come and declare i am the inner mother but this all this can happen how one can be you know misled so if there is too much egoism so what are the dangers if there is too much egoism in the nature i am doing sadhana i am doing yoga i will meditate i will realize i'll become a yogi i'll become a superman under the breath supramental being i'll be respected by people as a great sadhak advanced yogi as opening that not opening digging a big ditch all around just one little push will be required to fall into that ditch so stay away from people who tell you this and don't say this secretly to oneself <laughs> so one is too much egoism or a strong passion or an excessive ambition these three things strong egoism strong passion especially the sexual perverted sexuality and of course a strong excessive ambition so these are dangerous things vanity 
Another very dangerous thing. One pursues the yoga to become a yogi. Shivinda said the purpose of this yoga is not to become a yogi or superman. That's why he stopped all this first name and last name, Mananda and Swami, nothing. He even snatched the surname. So, <laughs> you are what you are. What is there in a name, literally? <laughs> Vanity or other dominating weakness of the life force or an unsteadiness in it or want of balance, he is likely to be seized on through these deficiencies and to be frustrated or to deviate, misled from the true way of the inner life and seeking into false paths or to be left wandering about in an intermediate chaos of experiences and fail to find his way out into the true realization. So the first step is to learn to separate the Purusha from Prakriti. Know that this is Prakriti. Try to change it, offer it. Don't identify with those chaotic waves completely. And you know, always this separation helps. Because one can see this is a movement which is taking me elsewhere. And then one starts doing course correction. Purusha is again and again drawn back, separating. And this is the process he describes. And then of course we have the ascent towards supermind. Through these layers. And what happens also in this process is the inner centers can open. So, Shinshubindu Yoga one also experiences what is called as Kundalini. But they don't open from below upwards by force. They open as the spiritualization proceeds. When the psychic being comes out and there is also a psycho spiritual change. Then because of the pressure of the higher consciousness, the mind centers opens, opens to the descent of knowledge, light, wideness, calm, illuminations, inspirations, intuitions. The heart center opens, the throat center opens, speech changes, the heart center opens, love, sweetness, ananda. The lower centers where there is ambition, it changes into a will to serve the divine. And then the physical centers, even the very body. So these centers open in Shurabindu's yoga, but from above downwards, so that it's a safe process. And then he describes all what is higher mind. We have already spoken about it, and um, how how this higher consciousness operates. It can freely express itself in a single ideas. But its most characteristic movement is a mass ideation, a system or totality of truth seeing at a single view. So you pick up an idea. Don't try anything. This consciousness will tell you all about it and all the connections, interconnections, everything that is related to that. And as one moves towards the overmind, it's an entire global vision. Nothing will be left out. That's why we see Shurabindu in sentences where every aspect is covered the relations of idea with idea it is not like this opposing that as in rational mind either be on the left or the right or the center so yogi says I am above the left and the right and the center but I can act through the left I understand the left and the right and the center (laughs) and all else that is in front and behind but otherwise it is either or But the yogi sees the truth behind everything. The relation also of idea with idea. Of truth with truth are not established by logic, but pre-exist and emerge already self-seen in the integral whole. How they pre-exist? Because all these ideas are like phalanx of the sun, released from the supermind. 
It's in ignorance that they start fighting with each other. There is a truth of communism. There is a truth of socialism. There is a truth of democracy. There is a truth of dictatorship. All of them are one in the divine. In the our mind, each starts its own empire. There is a truth of love. There is a truth of justice. Sometimes, the most beautiful expression of love, powerful expression is to render justice. You are saving a person from God knows what future chaos. So there they are harmonized, but here they fight. So that's how we miss the truth. There is an initiation into forms of an ever-present but still now inactive knowledge, not a system of conclusions from premises or data. That's not how this higher consciousness operates. This thought is a self-revelation of eternal wisdom, not an acquired knowledge. Large aspects of truth come into view in which the ascending mind, if it chooses, can dwell with satisfaction and after its former, ma- uh, and after its former manner live in them as in a structure, but it pro- if progress is to be made, these structures can constantly expand into a larger structure or several of them combine themselves into a provisional greater whole on the way to a yet unachieved integrality. This is how this progress takes place. And all these layers. So, illumined mind he describes as a mind no longer of higher thought but of spiritual light. Here the clarity of the spiritual intelligence, its tranquil daylight, gives place or subordinates itself to an intense luster, a splendor and illumination of the spirit, a play of lightnings of spiritual truth and power, a downpour of inwardly visible light. And then, of course, intuition, which uh, we have already spoken about and its fourfold action. Intuition is always an edge or ray or outleap of a superior light. It is in us a projecting blade, edge or point of a far-off supermind light entering into and modified by some intermediate truth-mind substance above us. And then he speaks about the overmind. Overmind, one may with great intensity go up to intuition, but for overmind the consciousness must be vast. It is not possible by just straight intensity to reach it. It's only if there is vastness, the truth, the right, the vast of the Vedic Rishis, that one can arrive at overmind because it's a global consciousness. So Shubhinda says it's a power of cosmic consciousness, a principle of global knowledge which carries in it a delegated light from the supramental gnosis. It is therefore only by an opening into the cosmic consciousness that the overmind descent and descent can be made wholly possible. A high and intense individual opening upwards is not sufficient. To that vertical ascent towards summit light, there must be added a vast horizontal expansion of the consciousness into some totality of the spirit. So all this and at the end he says, A supramental change of the whole substance of the being and therefore necessarily of all its characters, powers, movements, takes place when the involved supermind in nature emerges to meet and join with the supramental light and power descending from supernature. This is what happened on 29th February 1956.
at a world wide level before that there were individual descents and the supermind from below emerging as an individual phenomena it's not enough to create a whole manifestation but on 29th february as the mother described this power descended went into the inconscient plugged out the supermind below and then the work has started the individual must be the instrument and first field of the transformation but an isolated individual transformation is not enough and may not be wholly feasible because of the interconnectedness that's why our progress beyond a point cannot take place unless the collectivity progresses so both must progress together even when achieved this part we'll read in the next two chapters the next one even when achieved the individual change will have a permanent and cosmic significance only if the individual becomes a center and a sign for the establishment of the supramental consciousness force as an overtly operative power in the terrestrial workings of nature even when individual achieves it he should become a center for the workings of god in creation then only it has a meaning and not otherwise in the same way in which thinking mind has been established through the human evolution as an overtly operative power in life and matter so this the whole um, journey on this basis the principle of a divine life in terrestrial nature would be manifested even the world of ignorance and inconscience might discover its own submerged secret what is this world which is talking about matter and these lower creatures even they may evolve discovering their own secret so amazing it is might discover its own submerged secret and begin to realize in each lower degree its divine significance in herbal medicine there is this divine power which is concealed who knows that because of the action of the supermind they may begin to become aware and so the potency may increase beyond our limits of our understanding everything is possible namaste sir can i ask a question yes please uh, just the, so whatever i understood is please clarify uh, the psychic is the opening or calling aspiration from below from from the inside from the heart and then the spiritual is uh, from above and then further when you go like descending force is the supramental from above so um, the psychic the seat of aspiration is the psychic that's true this is the hearth where the fire burns um and leads a support but this flame rises as this flame grows further it rises beyond the lid of the human mind present human mind and enters into the um you know further higher mind illumined mind intuitive mind regions this is the journey of the flame why because if there is no aspiration in the higher worlds then we will get stuck with the higher mind formations or even in you know illumined mind there have been yogis like that so this is the journey of the flame but its seat is in the psychic 
So, but the first thing is to awaken this psychic being which is inside us in the center of the heart. That's quite right. But as we grow through this process, at some point the doors of spiritual consciousness will open. Now, what Shurabhito makes a little distinction, uh, the, the difference between spiritual and supramental. So, what he calls his spiritual is everything that is above the human mind and um, yet the right way to use, uh, you know, to uh, classify it, as Shurabindu says, is the spiritual mind. Now, this mind is no more a completely ignorant mind. This mind is open to the light of the spirit. So, it's a spiritual mind. And yet, why it is mind? Because it's unable to really finally integrate the earth and the supreme. But it it is suffused with some kind of a glow. Uh, at the higher mind, illumined mind, intuitive mind, even up to the over mind. So this domain is the domain of the spiritual mind. But in traditional yoga, the moment one went beyond the rational mind, one uh, felt it is the spiritual consciousness. And in a sense, it is the higher consciousness. And for the human being living by the rational mind, it is a spiritual consciousness. But um, this distinction is necessary between the spiritual and the supramental. So, spiritual consciousness is these intermediary layers of higher uh, illumined, intuitive, overmind, and the supramental is the source of all these. So, it is from the supramental that light enters into these realms, and therefore, you know, it is spiritual in that sense. Below it, you see a world of ignorance, the human mind where there is now darkness and ignorance. Yes. That's going beyond the supermind? No, supermind is the last, now, or if you want to put it like that, it's the source, the sun. Mm-hmm. So this aspiration will climb through these layers. It will first take its station in the higher mind, where one has certain experiences, can you know even formulate a philosophy. It's the birthplace of religions, this higher mind. Then from the higher mind, the flame goes further to illumined mind. So it begins to receive the influx of light, and which begins to change the way we look at things. There is a truth vision which begins to become active. Then it changes into the intuitive mind where we have this revelatory, uh, you know, inspirations, truth audition, immediate grasping and seizing of significance. And then the our mind where suddenly we enter into a global consciousness where with one idea we can unite the whole uh, creation. And it is beyond it that one discovers the supermind. So, supermind is the ultimate uh, truth consciousness, the omnipotence and the omniscience of the divine. And up till now, mystics could take their station in any of these intermediary planes. The moment one goes beyond the rational mind, it's wonderful. And if one could take a station, it was like, oh, now I have discovered the spiritual truth. But we have discovered truths, but not the ultimate reality. Ultimate reality is that which reconciles world and God. That reconciling truth is the supermind. So that's how the different layers through which one passes. One could stop at any of these. At illumined mind, one could stop and be very happy. One can become a master. At intuitive mind, one can work out miracles. Over mind, one can start a great religion like never before. That's what Sri uh, once, it was on the verge of precipitating. And mother had almost created an over mind creation. And Sri said, no. Uh, you know, it will become a religion which for thousands of years will be the uncontested highest religion, but we don't want that. So, she dissolved it. Now, supramental creation is something which is, uh, the big difference is up to our mind, it is achievable in the sense, it is still in the realm of the uh, 
लोअर क्रिएशन और वॉट इज कॉल्ड इज अपरार्थ लोअर हेमिस्फियर बट द सुपर माइंड एंड द अदर थ्री लेवल सचित आनंदा दी परार्थ इट्स लाइक इट्स ऑलमोस्ट इम्पॉसिबल अप टू ओवर माइंड वन कैन क्लाइंब बिकॉज इट्स स्टिल विद इन द लोअर नेचर इट्स लाइक यू नो क्लाइंबिंग टू माउंट एवरेस्ट सो इट डिफिकल्ट बट वन कैन क्लाइंब बिकॉज देर आर माउंटेन स्लोप थ्रू विच वन कैन क्लाइंब बट सुपर माइंड इज टेकिंग ए लीप फ्रॉम माउंट एवरेस्ट टू सन सो दैट बिकम्स ए नियर इम्पॉसिबिलिटी दैट हाउ डज वन यू नो रियली डू दैट especially if there is that you know the lid is the no zone area is in space and that's exactly what shubhendra's work because he said till that happens till that uh, ultimate truth the truth consciousness starts operating upon this world actively not indirectly but actively in all the layers including the physical no permanent transformation and no permanent remedy for the problem and enigma of earth can really be given Over mind can give a wonderful, uh, create a kind of a mini heaven on earth, but uh, that heaven will be subject to collapse because it's still operating within the realm of play of time and the play of forces. It's not the ultimate truth. So ultimate truth is the supramental gnosis, but it's a truth which reconciles all the different sides of truth. So it's not ultimate truth in the sense of my truth and one truth. That is in over mind. one idea and that becomes a empire but in super mind all the different idea that's why it there is the final reconciliation there including materialism including spirituality all of them find their place and the right uh, justification their complete uh, consummation all that is inbuilt within the super mind it's the original mind of god if you want to put it the divine mind which is the mind of god the mind of the creator Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Mother and Shrivindo has already established, like the descent in 1956, is is it's already readily available. So we don't have to work as the they had to do like tremendous, tremendous. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, tapasya, but <laughs> for us, it's readily available. So, um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so that's a very sweetly put. Uh, I I love that expression. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did the tapasya for us. Absolutely. so otherwise this passage which he describes in live divine seems impossible yeah. but yes uh, even then when it is available mm-hmm. see it's like the first person who discovered the possibility of nuclear energy he literally played with atoms which could blow the world but even when nuclear energy is available you can't start lighting your house till you have laid the wires prepared the basic foundations mm-hmm. have a right transformer so still there will be effort required not like that kind of tapasya yeah. subtly mm-hmm. but a certain kind of effort is required to prepare for the influx of the supramental consciousness within oneself and that also he made it easy by handing over the entire thing to the mother so all that now is required is to turn to the mother and surrender to her with a sincere aspiration and she starts doing that work so certainly he knew that it is a you know such a tremendous tapasya is impossible for uh, that's why he says that no human will or tapasya mm-hmm. can fulfill it it's only the mother's presence and power so certainly things are now uh, much better and you know than the nuclear energy or the solar energy is available readily but still we have to lay down the panels all that is going on in human nature the mind has to become vast supple our consciousness to you know uh, 
practice that basic equanimity we have to surrender to the divine mother reject things which obstinately come in the way of the working ultimately the supermind will have its way right now it it has its say but we want it to have its complete way that is the process yes thank you so much alok thank you so much alok sir and uh, with this we have reached the end of today's lecture and since uh, the we are way past our time we won't be able to take uh, any more questions now we will observe a minute of silence and then we can call it